Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. To our new listeners, welcome. To our old listeners, welcome back. Another episode of Magical Education awaits you. But first, we would like to say a few words. Nitwit, blubber, oddment, tweak. Podcast nine and three quarters topic of the week is page to screen. Why does the magic look like that? Hey there listeners, I'm Jem. And I'm Rhea, and today we're talking about how the magic of Harry Potter was translated visually onto the screen for the Harry Potter movies. Noise. Noise. So, in prep for this episode, I went onto YouTube and I watched a compilation of all the spells in all the Harry Potter movies. Yeah, the the video is called All Eight Movies, Just the Spells. Yeah, it's (laughs) definitely the exact same one that I watched. So, I would highly recommend doing that for listening to this app. Obviously, you don't have to, and Mm -hmm. not if you're driving. But, like, (laughs) if you've got a spare 15 minutes and you want to refresh on what the magic looks like, it's very handy and it makes it much easier to see patterns across all eight movies if you see it all in one go. Speaking of patterns, I actually wrote down what I thought of as the patterns, I guess, or like the mm-hmm. the construction of yeah, the spell. Me too. Do you want me to get into that? Yeah, definitely. All right. So every spell is made up of a wand movement. There's usually some kind of verbal incantation, not always, mm-hmm. and then there's some kind of auditory noise, and then there's some kind of light. So mm-hmm. I actually wrote down all the auditory noises that I could make out. Do not want to read them out to you? Because I think they're pretty funny. Wow. Okay. Yes. I wasn't paying as much attention to the noise. There's only one that I can remember. I was. I, I like closed my eyes and I'm like, okay, what does that sound like? And I wrote it down. So that's mm-hmm. a bit. Okay. I'll go through them. Uh, there's whoosh, whip crack, <laughs> gas stove turning on, harp, sand in a tube, whoosh, <laughs> chimes, <laughs> sizzle, bullet, vroom, pew. Thundercrack, violin strings, electrical sparks, ooh, singy sound, whale sounds, white light, splat, zoom, <laughs> whoosh of wind, <laughs> static, bird screech, stormy sea, fizz, short whoop sound, flicky, bubbly, bang, fireworks, low flame oil, bells, hiss, knives sharpening, puff of smoke, arrows loosing, gurgle, slit of a knife, whisper. Listeners, I just found my new ringtone. I'm absolutely going to crop that audio. (laughs) That was excellent. I love it. (laughs) There's also, um, I made note of all the lights. Mm -hmm. So the common colors were white, Mm -hmm. red, and green. And they're often a flash, a bolt. But they could also be a Mm -hmm. ripple or a wave or like a halo in the air. Or else the caster was altering some kind of matter. So they were doing a transfiguration. But very few of the transfigurations, like, produced smoke or jets of water or anything like that, or flame. They were just sort of like a change Mm -hmm. in matter. And, yeah, that's sort of what I noticed. I also, some random thing, like, for the third movie, almost all of the magic was like a, 
a whistly kind of woo, like a singing noise or a whistly noise, and almost all the lights were white. And I think that was Alf- Alfonso Cuaron's kind of aesthetic yeah. for that movie. That is the um, movie with the most unified aesthetic of all of them. Mm. Yeah, I think he really wanted to establish something there. So that's interesting. You took note of very different things to what I did. <laughs> I noted that with some very, very notable exceptions, and I can talk about the exceptions, there were basically two categories of spells in the movie. Yeah. The first one is what I was calling invisible. Mm-hmm. That's where someone just sort of points their wand at something. Maybe they say a word, maybe they don't. And then something just sort of happens. Yeah. Usually it's something moving, like a door opening or a candle flickering to life or a tent raising, something like that. Yeah. So this is mostly for the really, really everyday stuff, like the examples that I just gave. I have absolutely no beef with this. I don't need yeah. a huge visual spectacle for every time somebody wants to pack their <laughs> clothing into the suitcase or whatever. <laughs> like, I'm fine with magic just sort of happening in the background and being a thing that exists. Yeah. The other kind of spell is the one that I do have a beef with, which is what I called a flash of light. <laughs> flash and basically every other spell is like a flash of light maybe a colored flash of light maybe there's a noise with it and then something either explodes or is met with some kind of invisible pushing force (laughs) (laughs) and this drives me absolutely up the wall like yeah a flash punch yeah (laughs) i don't know how many people worked on harry potter and had a hand in visual effects and the magic in the series but for some reason, every single one of them, when they asked, when they were asked to imagine what magic looks like, they were like, oh, it's a flash of light. That's it. <laughs> boring. It's boring. And it sucks. And it's... Oh. <laughs> this oh. is why I wanted to do this episode. <laughs> I think you're more angry about this than I am. I, I definitely am. I like, you know, sure. I wish that there'd been kind of more creative choices, especially in certain particular spells, but I do see the value in what was done, and I get why it was done. Absolutely. And, I, and in, in ways, I do actually like what was done. So I think I'm more on the neutral, positive side than you are. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely understand why the magic was pared down and made way, way more simplified. And like to a certain extent, I absolutely agree with that. Mm. But there are like specific, notable exceptions where... I think it was just lazy yeah. and I'm mad about yeah. it. And I wish they'd made, be- be- ah, made better choices. Yeah, I can see that. Like, I can call up specific examples and I will be. <laughs> <laughs> One of them is in the seventh movie where they're trying to destroy the Locket Horcrux. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really obvious because they're casting like 10 spells in a row to try and destroy this thing. And they just say different words and then there's a big bang and a flash of light. It's like, you just. It's just the same thing ten times. Yeah, yeah. which <laughs> is exactly the same. Which is ineffective for the scene because it's meant to be like, oh, the trio is trying all these different strategies to get rid of it, like flame and and like force and all, and water and stuff. But like, it's just not coming across. It just looks like they're just doing the same thing again and again and again. Yeah, they're just like bombarda, ridiculous, expelliarmus. <laughs> like you're just saying words, and the thing is just going. It's just flipping like around like a frog. <laughs> yeah. Sorry for clapping into the microphone. <laughs> no, do it more. It's good. <laughs> Spelling Alice. Yeah, there we go. Oh, sorry. I know I shouldn't do that, but I did it anyway. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so wound up. <laughs> I'm in a rage. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Did you have any other things that you want to talk about with specific moments? 
specific moments that I don't like or specific moments that I do like? <laughs> specific moments that you don't like for whatever reason. Should I start with like little things that I don't like or the biggest thing that I don't like? <laughs> um, okay, I thought you had like a specific scenario. Um, yeah, well, like the big thing that I want to talk about is like jewels oh, yeah, and yeah. why jewels look like this. But that feels like something we could yeah. build to with other little things. I have like I listed down down a bunch of inconsistencies between the book and the screen. Okay, um, I've got like inconsistencies from one movie to another, so this is a good yeah. area to start. Yeah. With. Okay. Okay. So yeah. inconsistencies operating in Hogwarts. Yeah can't be done in the books it's done on screen mm-hmm. green curses yeah, green curses versus avada kedavra so mm-hmm. at times we're not sure if someone is casting avada kedavra or a green looking curse but i think the implication a lot of times is that any green curse is avada kedavra but then the rules around it don't make sense like people deflect these curses like they're nothing which which mm-hmm. can't be done with a killing curse yeah so that's a, a kind of a lazy choice i think if you're gonna have the Avada Kedavra curse being green, make that your only green spell and then make every other curse yeah. different. Anyway. And I think like, look, these episodes are called page to screen. So let's talk about how that translates mm. because in the book, the, like the flash of the sickly green light is like this horrible moment of, Oh no, someone's died. Yes. And it's this terrible, powerful spell. There's no way to deflect it. There's no way to avoid it. It's like, once somebody's cast the killing curse, that's it. That's it. They're dead. And it's horrible. And it's so terrifying. And I feel like the movies should have put more emphasis on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they should have made it a bigger spell that, like, that you see in these key moments when key characters die. Yeah. I 100% agree. It's like how in Star Wars, a red lightsaber means, yeah. like, a Sith. And then, like, a blue or a green lightsaber means a Jedi. Like, it's very distinct mm-hmm. color coding color theory there like it's very clear and like god what was that one that just came out a while ago rogue one yeah like when darth vader comes out of the darkness and you see the red lightsaber light up and like the bottom drops out of your stomach like oh yeah you know everyone that's what it should feel like yeah yeah. like yeah (laughs) yeah a priori incantatum so in the movies Mm -hmm. it kind of just happens yeah commonly enough like commonly enough that it happens at least three or four times on screen which i think is kind Mm -hmm. of fucked it should only be happening between harry and voldemort if you're going to show it on screen don't show it as a thing that can just happen on the reg it's so rare there's a part Mm -hmm. where like dumbledore and voldemort seem to do it in their battle in the fifth movie Mm -hmm. um arthur and some random death eater in the battle of hogwarts do priori incantatum another thing about the books and how it shows priori incantatum with uh, Harry and Voldemort, which I really liked, is that mm-hmm. when the effect starts to happen, Harry says that he can hear singing. Both he and Voldemort are lifted off the ground, and the mm-hmm. effect that happens is that their spells t- start to like sort of their last spells reverse and come out of their wands and stuff like that. Yeah. To me, it also like forms a shield around them so that nobody can intercede yeah. in their. Jewels. It's really epic. It like locks them together. It's really epic, and to me, I always thought that because the core of their wand was phoenix feather, that is a phoenix effect, a Purian cantatum. The fact that wow. you lift off the ground, that you hear the singing, that it's kind of like an immortality effect because you're in this bubble of shield where nothing can harm you, and you're also reliving mm-hmm. past things that have happened. That seemed like a phoenix thing, and I thought that if there was two wands with the same dragon heartstring core, maybe they would have a different mm. effect. Maybe there'd be fire around them or something cool like that. That is such a cool idea. I love that. It especially is, explains the singing, yeah, like it's, it's phoenix, phoenix song. song. Yeah, and mm. the fact they lift it off the ground, they fly like <laughs> like a phoenix. Yeah, 
Yeah, they specifically get flown to like a safe area and then wrapped in a big shield for this effect to take place. So, yeah, that's always just something that I've headcanoned. And like, obviously, the movie doesn't show anything like that. The the, the closest Mm -hmm. we get is the fourth movie when we first see it happen. There's like more of a shield effect. It's very like much just Harry versus Voldemort. But the fact that they start throwing Peru and Katatum around like it's nothing in later movies, I'm like, ugh, all right. Um. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I've got stuff that I want to say about the prori in cartum, in cantatum. I don't know how to say it. I'm just going to call it the prori effect. Priori, yeah. So I I really love the way it looks when the two spells collide yeah. and it becomes like this dripping molten line of light. It's cool. It's almost, it almost like it moves like lightning, but it's like thick and wet. Like and magma. it looks really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. But like that said... Like, as cool as it looks, it's definitely, like, a generic watered-down version of what happens in the book. Mm -hmm. That's kind of fine, because, like, I think doing, like, the actual what Prorai is, like, the effect of it, of the reversing your wand spells and, like, running backwards through time. Yeah. That's kind of complicated to show on screen. And, like, it's only really relevant that one time at the end of the fourth book. The rest of the time, it's just sort of like hand wavy. Oh, this is why they can't duel directly. This is why wand cause problem, problem, problem. Yeah. Like, it's just a plot point. So that's fine. I'm fine with it just being like something that happens because of their wand cause. It bothers me when it then happens just sort of randomly whenever people are dueling. Yeah, it's bullshit. Because (laughs) that's like, it's stupid and it doesn't make sense. And what it does is it takes a wizard duel and it turns it into some kind of like basically magical arm wrestling. Like instead of casting spells at each other, now you're just sort of, you just sort of connect your wands and then you flail this big weird magic rope at each other. And it's like a contest of strength or willpower. It's not really explained. Mm. So like I'm on the fence because like it's visually interesting, but it's also lazy, but I agree with some of the laziness of it, but I, strongly disagree with other parts of the laziness of it yeah. like i'm really on the fence about this it should definitely only be used for harry and Voldemort. you shouldn't have any Absolutely. other characters doing it because then it's just laziness there's pure laziness in that it's just like oh yeah. i can't think of what this what i sh- what i can do with this jewel here let's just have them connect ones and people be like "Ooh!" <laughs> like it's yeah. like okay <laughs> it's just like a visual shortcut to be like they're dueling yeah and we don't have to actually animate any spells or anything yeah and we can just have the characters standing straight pointing their wands at each other without moving around and ducking and weaving and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's laziness. It should, it should definitely happen between Harry and Voldemort and it should be a huge visual spectacle moment between them because that's what jewels between Harry and Voldemort are. I want to hear that Phoenix song. Instead we just hear like kind of a weird high pitched noise. That's not really a song. I want to hear that Phoenix song. It'd be cool if they did hover, did some wire work, you know, that could be interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Especially like in the seventh, uh, the eighth movie, I should yeah. say, when it's their final duel. Like, make this as dramatic as you can. Yeah, how cool if like Voldemort's defeated and they both drop like three feet from the from the air to the ground. And it's like this panic mm-hmm. of like, oh my god, is Harry okay? And what's happened to Voldemort? And then Voldemort's dead. Yeah. Um, you know. Then his his body's like collapsed in like this awkward, terrible way. And you're like, oh, he's, he's dead. Yeah. But Harry's picking himself up. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. Make that a moment. <laughs> Another one, Richter Semper. In the book, it's the tickling curse, but in the movie, it's just kind of like a stand-in for stupefy. It just sort of knocks you back. Yeah. Uh, Wandless magic. (laughs) So in the books, wandless magic is like a super big deal. It's like a really learned skill. 
Um, it's it can be a form of wild magic, but mainly it's used by like people that are experienced, experienced wizards. And then in the mm-hmm. in the movies, it's just like Hermione sitting in the bleachers, like confront this. <laughs> like it's like okay, I know Hermione's smart, but come on, <laughs> she's shooting at a target that's like I don't know, like like so far away from her. <laughs> no wand. Yeah. Like come on. It's just like it's it's a visual cheat. Yeah. To make her cast a spell and have nobody notice and not have to, like, block the scene in such a way so that Hermione, like, bumps into him as they walk past each other or something like that. It's one of those things where, like, I understand why they made this choice in the movie and, like, it bothers me, but I can forgive it, I guess. Yeah. I do wish that wandless magic had a bit more of an emphasis to it. Like, how hard would it have been to give her a little wand movement there? It's not a doesn't really make a difference. Yeah, no one's like sitting near her. She could just have her wand like on her lap, like really subtly, and just do a little wave and be mm. like, "Oh, confirm this," you know. That's that's easy. Another one like similar to that is non-verbal yeah. spells. It does get to a point in the movie where some people just are able to do them with no practice, no particular skill behind it. They're mm-hmm. just able to do them for whatever reason. And um, yeah, again, that's another thing where I'm like, a lot of the time I don't need to hear the actors saying made up Latin words. Like, it doesn't really add anything yeah. to the scene. It's like a super cool moment when, you know, Dumbledore stretches out his hand and moves it across the room and the lights all dim as he moves his hand. Yeah. I don't need like a I like that. Knox to go along with that. <laughs> like, it's good enough as it is. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if he just like held out his hand and was like, no. <laughs> And I also, like, at the end of the third movie, like, you know, Lupin's having a conversation with Harry as he packs. I don't need him to be, like, packius, tronchius, or whatever. Like, it doesn't add anything to the scene, so I can forgive it. No, yeah, I definitely forgive it a lot more when it's teachers, but when it's just, like, students who, like, just learned about nonverbal spells, like, a scene ago, I'm like, yeah. uh, I don't know. <laughs> the other is uh, dissolving or flaking away. This is Voldemort and Bellatrix specific. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yes. I hate this. I hate this. I hate it. <laughs> Their death scenes where they just like burst into like confetti. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> like like dandruff. I hate it so much. What is that? <laughs> what happened to them? <laughs> Are we breathing them in? Like <laughs> I don't understand. I I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a thing. Yeah, I don't like it for multiple reasons. Like, I don't like that it happens to Bellatrix at all. Like, what did Mrs. Weasley do to her? Yeah, what the fuck? It's, it looked like she, like, withdrew all the moisture from Bellatrix's body. Because she, like, kind of sunk into herself and was like, Ugh! Mm-hmm. And then she fucking shot her with a spell and she exploded into nothingness. It yeah. was fucked. It's, and I think part of the reason why this looks so fucked is because the jewels are so lazy and boring. Yeah. And, like, I've got a whole section on jewels that we haven't come into yet. But jewels are just flashing lights at each other. So then when suddenly Bellatrix, like, turns into a statue and then crumbles into dust, it's like, what the fuck was that? Like, because magic doesn't look like that. Because we've never seen magic that does that before. So it's a crazy thing that happens for no reason. It's also, well, 
that that happens right before we see that happen to Voldemort because then it loses the impact of that happening to Voldemort. Yeah, I was like, going to say, like, it should have happened fuck? to just Voldemort if it was going to happen at all. Yeah, it shouldn't have happened, full stop. Yeah, it have but happened. if it's going to happen, why do you do it to Bellatrix and then, like, a few scenes later you make it happen to Voldemort as your big bad dying? It's like, uh, but we just saw this. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. what? <laughs> like, oh, Harry's mastered the ability to use the spell that Mrs. Weasley can use. Like, hooray. Or is this just what happens to evil people when they die? <laughs> but then why didn't it happen to anyone else? Like, it's just those two. Was yeah. it because they fucked and they shouldn't have? <laughs> <laughs> the cursed child was this curse. <laughs> so what I really don't like is obviously death is such an important theme in Harry Potter. Yeah. And I really, really love the moment in the book where Voldemort dies and his body hits the ground and then he's never mentioned again. Yeah, it's good. It's Tom like, Riddle's body hit the floor. That's it. Let that body yeah, hit done. That body hit the floor. Yeah. <laughs> I like how mundane his death is because it's like at the end of the day, he was just a person and he died the same as every other person in the world will die. Yeah. And his body became a thing that was no longer a person. Yeah. I like that. Wrecked get wrecked it's like what you would absolutely hate yeah his whole deal was that he's so special and magical and immortal and nobody can overpower him and then he just dies and he's dead yeah and having him like do a big poetic scream as his body crumples to dust and fades away to the wind it's like it gives him all of this majesty and importance that he doesn't deserve Mm. and it's also kind of fucked because we know that like Voldemort's come back from the dead before the fact that, like, his body did that. Like, we know he's been a wraith. We know he's been blasted into smithereens and survived. It just seemed like another form for him to take rather yeah. than a permanent death. Like, it's fucked. Yeah, it's like a callback to the first movie when Quirrell turns to a statue and yeah. crumbles of dust and then Voldemort's wraith comes out of him. Yeah. Like, would you have been surprised if Harry had, like, thought he'd won and turned his back and then behind him we'd see Voldemort's ashes gather into a piece and swoop at him again? Yeah. Like, it doesn't seem impossible. Yeah, really frustrating. Mm. Another one, uh, the Confundus charm. In the books, it's actually pronounced Confundo, but in the movies, everyone just says Confundus. There's no reason why. (laughs) That's just how it is, I guess. Yeah, a minor change. That's why. Yeah, it doesn't really bother me. Smoke flying. So this is like when you don't want to apparate, but you do want to whiz around the room in a (laughs) dusty smoke cloud of varying colours. Here's what I've got written in my notes. Smoky boys, what are they? What are they? (laughs) I hate it. So stupid. For years, I thought this was apparating. I thought that they just decided in the fifth movie that this was what it looked like when people apparated. Yeah. But then it's not. <laughs> it's just something else. It's it's something else. It's not and flying either, because we've seen flying. Yeah, and it's not that. Voldemort flies, <laughs> and Voldemort's got a bit of smoke under him when he flies, as if he's like reclining on a cloud, which is another thing that looks ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But like, it's a little bit like this. <laughs> yeah. But we know that Why? it can't be flying because, you know, obviously flying is a very particular thing. And also the whole mm-hmm. body changes to like a weird spirit thing. It's weird. Yeah. The wizards turn themselves, I was going to say incorporeal. Incorporeal? Incorporeal? I don't know how to say that word. But it's not because it's they're still a physical presence. Mm-hmm. Because in the seventh book, 
a bunch of them show up and they smash through love Good's house like they're cannonballs destroying a pirate ship. <laughs> There's also a part in the fifth movie where two of the smoky creatures are having a punch up in midair, which I think is very funny because they're yeah. fucking wizards and they're doing this smoky flying thing and they're like, the best way for me to get at this guy <laughs> is to punch him straight in the nose. <laughs> and like one of them's a black smoky boy because yeah. he's a dark wizard and the other one's a white one because he's Order of the Phoenix. <laughs> Color theory. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Let's make so all the spells for, green anyway, whatever. <laughs> so for a wizard jewel, here's some of your standard dueling things. Yeah, yeah. Connect your wand to another wand with a big magic rope and then play tug of war. Mm-hmm. Transform your body into a swirling <laughs> pillar of mist and fly around the air and punch other mist boys. <laughs> what are they? What are they doing? <sighs> I shouldn't be yelling. It's so quite dumb. late and I it's live in an so apartment. <laughs> yeah it's it's what is it why do they do it is it for fighting they only do it in jewels so it's for fighting yeah but what advantages do you get from becoming a misty boy like you can fly okay yes absolutely you can zoom around but you can't... you're still physical so spells yeah. can hit you spells can hit you you're not like Im- immutable you can fly you can't cast spells you can't cast <laughs> so is the advantage that you can just fly like what <laughs> Because there's other ways to fight someone. <laughs> uh, wizards can teleport. Yeah. So why would they need to turn to smoke and fly around? I suppose, like, I guess at the, the main... The first time we see it is in the Ministry of whatever. Um, yeah, so maybe you can't, of Magic. you can't operate in there. I get that. That's fine. That's fine. But why... What battle strategy do you have <laughs> that you need to fly around the room? I Surely you can just chase them. Like, surely... I don't... <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> Here's the answer. It looks magical. <laughs> that's right. It's just like, it's just a, something to put on the screen that's like a color and a sound that your eyes can follow as the action happens. <laughs> it's nothing. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't do anything. It's just magic. 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 I hate the Smoky Boys. <laughs> I know you do. It makes me furious. I think literally, like, one of us pitched this episode and I was like, yeah, the Smoky Boys, we'll talk about them. <laughs> so dumb. Like, yeah, like, okay. I just can't it imagine being mad. Imagine, like, being in a punch up with someone and, like, mm-hmm. one of your moves <laughs> is that you can vault yourself through the air. But you're still vulnerable. <laughs> like, I just can't see the logic. We know, we know how it works because I keep saying, "What are they?" But we've seen it happen. It happens in the eighth movie in Harry and Voldemort's duel. They're standing on the edge of the cliff, and Harry grabs him and pulls him off the edge, and they turn into Smoky Boys and they fly around and hit each other. <laughs> and then they grab each other's faces, and then they become each other's faces, and they're like, ah! "Yeah." <laughs> It literally, it's just like enough spells. Let's brawl in the air using magic. But it's so silly. Like. It is. It's ridiculous. It's also crazy that they made Harry do it with Voldemort. I know. What a, what a completely wild choice. Who directed that movie? <laughs> a madman. Yates. Oh, fuck. A madman. What were you thinking? <laughs> the last inconsistency I have. 
wand movements kind of become less distinguishable and important as the movies go on. They just kind of become like Absolutely. a, yeah. and there we go. <laughs> There's a spell. Point yeah. shoot, you know. Yeah, that's fine. So I had, what I had about inconsistencies, right, is I was more focused on what's inconsistent from one movie to the yes. next. And the answer is the list would be so great that it would be an entire episode of me just reading out a list. So there's no point. Yeah. Sometimes spells look one way. Sometimes they look another. Generally, I have no beef with minor continuity errors like this, or maybe even like deliberate changes in continuity. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Like it's to be expected with a franchise as huge as this. It took place over 10 years. Like there's no way that Lumos is going to look exactly the same in movie one as it does in movie eight. Yeah. Whatever. I do like how Lumos looks, just on the weird side note. Yeah. I have a list of like magic that I absolutely love the way that it looks. I think we should end on that because it's cool. Yeah. Um, And Lumos is on there. I think Lumos looks really good. (laughs) Yeah, a very classic style, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's so easy. Like, it's just the point of the wand lines up and it makes a nice little halo of light. Mm -hmm. I think it looks better than it's described in the book where it's described as like a beam of light that's really faint. Like a fucked torch, I guess. (laughs) A bad torch. (laughs) A bad torch. Like like my torch that's on a key chain that I carry with me at all times for emergencies. Like that's completely redundant because I have a phone these days. That torch that dad used to have near the phone book where it was like a wind up one. It was like, and you had to wind it up to like get a bright light that lasted for a minute. Then you had to rewind it. Who, who thought that was a good idea to get dad that torch? I'm, I'm absolutely 100% certain that dad bought that torch for himself. (laughs) Of course. Because he's like. It doesn't take batteries. You wind it with the strength of your own body. And it's like, (laughs) it'll never run out of battery. Just in case. Just in case. Just in case. (laughs) For what? (laughs) Anyway. In case the apocalypse happens and we can't get more batteries. (laughs) I'd simply die, Dad. It's fine. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a shitty, chargeable wind-up torch. Anyway. (laughs) So there is one exception for me where the inconsistencies between movies drive me absolutely nuts. And it's a big one. Mm-hmm. It's Expecto Patronum. Oh, interesting. Spicy. Spicy. So the Patronus is such an important and visually distinct spell in yep. the series. I just would have loved it if they made it look good in the movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the different manifestations of Expecto Patronum. Obviously, the most visually important one is the third movie, where it looks like a big shield. Yeah. Vaguely, there's like some sort of glimpse of it where it kind of looks like a stag, but yeah. mostly it's just a big shield. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, I like that one too. Especially because in the book, it does dif- differentiate between a, um, what is it, like a corporeal Patronus and an incorporeal Patronus? or yes. like yeah. Yeah, like a fully manifested, you've done it, here's the spell, and like a vague, weak one, which is just kind of a shield. That's fine. In the fifth movie, at the beginning, it's like a ball of light that Harry can control oh, and he moves it, it around. Yeah. What is that? Stupid. It's nothing. And then Not later... Not even a stag. Let's make it the stag, you know? I know. And then later, in the same movie, it's distinct animals. Yeah. Like... In the, um, what's it called? Dumbledore's army. Like, mm. everyone's making these beautiful, distinct little animals that bounce around in the air. We've never seen that before. No. In the seventh movie, when they break into the ministry, it's like a massive wall of light that shoots down a corridor. 
Then in the eighth movie at the Battle of Hogwarts, it's a massive shield bubble that explodes outwards and drives away all the Dementors. And then we go into Snape's memories and he makes a perfect dough in the air. So it's every single time we see it, it looks completely different and it drives me up the wall. Yeah, yeah. I don't like it. I think how it should work is like when it's a weak Patronus, it's like barely a shield, barely a shaped Mm -hmm. shield sometimes. And if it's a corporeal Patronus, we see an animal. So, like, that's when the kids are practicing their corporeal Patronuses. Mm -hmm. But if you're, like, fending off a million Dementors, it's a big shield. And maybe if you glimpse at the very center of it, you can kind of see that it looks like a shape of an animal there. Mm. That's how I like it best, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I like it as, like, either the shield that we see Harry do in the third movie when he's learning how to do it. I think that looks really cool. I love the, the way that the Dementor sort of comes at it and yeah. it lights up more and drives it back. I think that looks great. Awesome. Or it's, like, a fully manifested animal that is physically there with you and, like, maybe it pulses light and the pulses drive the Dementors back. Yeah, I like I think that. One or the other. That's kind of what they do at the end of the third film where we see the stag at first and then it... I love that yeah. noise that they put to it too with like the kind of high-pitched singing of the choir and then the like lightsaber noise of like pulsing out. It's very good. Yeah, it yeah. looks good. So like, I just don't like in the third movie because when Harry's passing out in the first timeline, he kind of sees the stag, but then when he does it a second loop around and yeah, he actually casts the spell, <laughs> it just looks like a shield. And where's the stag? Yeah, that's like, annoying. <laughs> that uh, and it's it's so annoying because it's such a big moment. Like it gives me shivers mm. when Daniel Radcliffe like does the huge expecto patronum, and it's so powerful. And then it's like, where's the stack? Yeah, it has always bothered me actually. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is just the Rhea remembers and gets angry episode. <laughs> oh, isn't that every single episode? <laughs> it definitely is. Absolutely. Why am I so passionate about this? dumb children series <laughs> here we are <laughs> here we are i am 27 years old <laughs> choreography should i get into that yeah absolutely okay so choreography yates brought uh paul harris on from movie five onwards so mm-hmm. for the first four movies there was no really like there wasn't a wand choreographer <laughs> um <laughs> a wild thing but to, for that wild. to be true like yeah. Imagine if there was nobody, like, managing, choreographing the fight scenes in, like, Lord of the Rings or something. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, like, in the Lord of the Rings, on the scripts, it just says, like, Aragorn fights orcs. But then, yeah. like, all the choreography behind that is, like, sword fighting and, and like, you know, it's, it's like, a lot. Yeah. Anyway, um... I can kind of see it because from the fifth movie is where you start getting these large scale battles, not just one on one duels, like one single person casting one single spell at a time. Mm -hmm. So like, I can see why you could get away with it before then. And like before then, like one movements were like swish and flick. It was really distinct. Yeah. But this this guy's to blame for the pointing and flashing, I'm betting. So this guy, Paul Harris, he has, like, a dance background. That's mainly what he was choreographing before Mm -hmm. that. Um, So Gates identified that in the first four movies, the magical language was lacking a distinct physical grammar. So Mm -hmm. he wanted someone to codify the wand language in the movies. So when Harris came in, he had four movies of actors doing not much physical movement, and now he was required to give these spells distinct physicality. So he's Mm -hmm. like, okay... I can't do this. (laughs) So he's like, the spells have already been codified. We know they 
work with just like a point and a flick you want so mm-hmm. he then realized that the majority of casters in movies one to four were juniors so harris theorized what if we make more advanced movement for more advanced magic so mm-hmm. there has to be a physical element because that makes one wizard better than what makes one wizard better than another it can't just be yeah. that they bought a better wand there has to be something so from the inner power of the wizard to manifesting itself sort of physically that's how he was going with it so mm-hmm. ironically he's going kind of opposite to the direction of the books which is that like yeah. <clears throat> once you're able to understand the complex choreography and like the full-on wand movements as a junior eventually you can get to sort of a natural skill level where you can just point your wand and a, a spell can just happen yeah um, or, but do he's... Wandlessly or... Yeah, yeah, or do it wandlessly uh, or non-verbally but he's doing the opposite yeah. way because of what he was given yeah that yeah, doesn't bother me, sense. honestly. Like, if the magic became more visually distinct as the movies went on, it's like, well, that's a way for me to track their yeah. progress on screen because I'm not living it through the books. So yeah. that makes more and sense. And this is how me. we were able to get the the choreography for, like, the Battle of the Ministry, Dumbledore versus Voldemort. And the positioning of some of the choreography mm-hmm. was derived from both 17th century French court dancing and kung fu. So mm-hmm. another thing that I've heard rumors about forever and ever, but I couldn't find an actual source on was that Harry Ron Hermione had character specific wand choreography that Hermione's yes. was very uh, strict and learned. So like she was very much like I move my wand this way. I do the, the like wand movements exactly to form because she's a scholar and she would have studied much. Mm-hmm. Harry's is more um, instinctive. Mm-hmm. So he still has a bit of the strict learning, book learning stuff, but he's more like reactive and more like do things on impulse. Whereas Ron's one movements are very mm-hmm. lazy, very flippant, very natural because he's always grown up around magic. So the idea is that like, yeah. this is something that's second nature to him. He doesn't have to think about it. It's just a flick of a movement. I have a really specific example of this if you'd like me to go through it. Yeah, because I couldn't find anything about it, but I've heard yeah. this again 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 i love it honestly yeah so i have like i've seen i've read a long long tumblr post which like really broke this down in one specific scene so i can go by what i remember of it but i don't have it in front of me sure so the scene is at uh, near the beginning of the seventh movie after the death eaters have attacked the wedding bill and flo's uh, wedding and the they have scene? fled yes they're in the cafe and there's the yeah, jewel yeah. in the cafe so the snatchers come in, or the death ears come in, or whatever, and then they have that little duel in the Muggle Cafe, and that's the scene. Yeah. So in this, we see Harry, Ron, and Hermione each cast spells. Hermione, what she does is she will like move up from a crouch into a standing position, and she sort of like locks herself into a specific pose, and like she's mm-hmm. perfectly in the exact correct pose, does the one movement, says the spell, and casts her spell. By the way, all this happens in like seconds, but like if you slow yeah. the scene down, you can see it. So yeah. Hermione, because she has all this book learning, like she has she has it perfect, but it's very unnatural for her. Yep. Ron, meanwhile, moves so so fluidly because it's like his wand is a part of his arm, because like this is his very being. Yeah. He's been doing this since the day he was born. He moves up from a crouch and he's already casting the spell with the wand down at his side because he knows by the times he finishes the incantation, his wand will be in the correct position and the spell goes off instantly. So he doesn't have that wasted moment where he moves himself into position, then casts. He's already casting and then he's in position by the time the spell goes off. Hermione is um, point, speak, Mm -hmm. spell. And Ron is like, speak, point yeah. spell <laughs> ron is like spell yeah. point speak spell like it all happens in one yeah. movement 
<laughs> it's actually great to watch. Like, props to Rupert Grint. Yeah. He does it great. And Harry is like a mix between the two. So Harry, yep. first of all, doesn't have the perfect movement stuff because he's sort of a bit like he's never learned this properly. But Harry is very much like doesn't have perfect form, doesn't have perfect like pronunciation or spells or whatever, but he's got very practical magic because his magic has always been about mm-hmm. adaptability, survivability. It's always been fighting and thinking on his feet. On his feet. Yeah. So I can't remember specifically what Harry's like movement and stuff is. Like I can picture what Hermione and Ron did, but I can't picture Harry. But he's sort of in between the two of them. It's like partially a more of a natural gesture, but it's also more of a defensive, instinctive gesture. Like as if Harry's raw magical ability makes up for the lack of traditional learning that he has. I bet, like, choreography-wise, Daniel Radcliffe was encouraged to pursue more kung yeah. fu movements, whereas more learned wizards were encouraged to do, like, dance and mm-hmm. kung fu. <laughs> like, you know how there's the the dance elements and the yeah. fighting elements? I bet Harry was very much be like, you just, like, focus on the fighting ones, and we want, like, Rupert and Emma to sort of go with these dramatic yeah. dance movements and to be more, like, It's structured. very much like Hermione um, is copying yeah. a pose she's seen drawn in a textbook. Ron is moving his yeah. body in a way that is just natural to him, and Harry's doing a fighting stance. Like, yeah. that's what it feels like. Yeah. It's good. So that's a specific example. <laughs> I would recommend watching that scene, like, if you can slow down, like, watch it in slow-mo and see what each of them do, because it's really interesting. And it's, like, a good, succinct example. Yeah. When it comes to the, the choreography of the one movements, I really like it. I really like what this guy uh, what's his name I actually wrote it down <laughs> what Paul Harris did with this I thought that he like he came in with a bit of a tricky project but he managed to find a way to like create a language for that mm-hmm. so I thought that was cool yeah that's awesome well done to him <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have any specific thoughts on choreography other than what I just went through with the trio <laughs> okay is there something else you wanted to bring up Jules I feel like we're talking about Jules now let's go yeah. let's talk about it so here's my big rant about Jules <laughs> So there's two incredibly notable exceptions, and they are Harry and Malfoy in the Dueling Club in second year, and then <laughs> Voldemort and Dumbledore in the Ministry, movie five. Those are yep. the two exceptions. Very, very opposite sides of the spectrum. Yes. Every <laughs> other duel looks exactly the same. <laughs> That's true. In every other duel, they are just flashing lights at each other. The lights don't do shit. It's just like a vague force hitting and bouncing off an invisible shield. Every now and then there's like a mild explosion or a burst of fire or something, or somebody gets thrown backwards and mm-hmm. that's it. That's what every single duel looks like. Yeah. And it starts in movie five, which is why I kind of blame this guy for it, <laughs> even though I know it's larger than him. But like, that is where the large battle type sequences happened. Here's my examples. Yeah. The duel in the ministry end of book five. I want to go more into this. The Burning of the Burrow, movie six. Oh, Harry yeah, versus Malfoy yeah. in the bathroom, movie yeah. six, I think. Yeah. Uh, the Snatcher Jewel and the Chase in movie seven, where like the oh, flashes yeah. of light are exploding the trees. What spell is that? <laughs> Bombarda, I guess? Yeah. I don't know. And then there's the two big finale jewels, Mrs. Weasley versus Bellatrix and Harry and Voldemort's jewel. They have some yeah. changes, mostly Bellatrix exploding into dust and Harry and Voldemort being smoke boys and then also exploding into dust. But, like, most of the duel is just they point their wands at each other, there's a big flash of light, it does nothing. The end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it sucks, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. It just really sucks. Like, I get it in terms of, like, I don't know, cinematography. maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, having just sort of, like, bursts of light. It's a bit like having a battle with just, like, sort of gunfire, I guess. Yeah. I have a point to this. Yeah. But I guess the big disappointment for me came in fifth movie, at the end of fifth movie, at the Jewel in the Ministry. Because mm-hmm. that entire sequence is, like, I think one of the most interesting sequences in the Harry Potter series. Yeah. Where, like, the kids are fighting back against the Dementors and all of Death these is. different spells keep going off and it's absolute chaos. Yeah. And it's so interesting. People are getting their heads shrunk down to a baby and, like, people are getting mm-hmm. tied up in ropes and brains are attacking people. Like, there's yeah. so much going on. It's so Mom's interesting. Been confounded and Neville's got such a bloody nose that he can't even say a spell and, mm-hmm. like... like Yeah, I, yeah. like... Specific spells cause specific effects, which leads to specific injuries. Like, mm-hmm. it's very interesting. <laughs> Instead of, it's a flash of light which does nothing, the end. Then <laughs> we just flash lights at each other until somebody wins somehow. Yeah. Yeah. What's your point on this? This is sort of like a bigger point into like, so why did the magic look like that? Mm-hmm. I've got like three big reasons. Yeah. The first is money. <laughs> so <laughs> absolutely. Surely it's cheaper to use light flashes and noises than to CGI more complex, intricate spells like someone's head turning into a pumpkin or like yeah. <laughs> someone's, of course. someone's snot coming out as strands of bogeys that turn to bats and flying around their head yes. and hitting them. Like, you know. <laughs> I but how it. cool to see that, though. <laughs> how cool. I mean, they could have done it, like, just throw us a bone every now and then. Show us a bat bogey mm. hex, you know? But anyway. Yeah. I've got an example of this, right? Mm. So in the Battle of Hogwarts, like, right as Arthur Weasley is prorai in Canton with some random Death Eater, there's, like, a guy who tries to smoke his way through a window, and yeah. then somebody freezes him in time as he smashes through the window, and he's sort of frozen in horror in midair for a moment, and then he gets blasted backwards through the window. And it's yeah. like, that's fucking dope! <laughs> more yeah. stuff like that, please. I would like more magic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool, but that is still a... Bang! Blast! Whoosh! <laughs> yeah. That's still like... But at least it was like a specific thing that happened. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> if like every jewel had like one or two things that I could be like, that was a spell that was cast, yeah. that would be good. <laughs> My second point as to why did the magic look like that? Combat. So the way these spells look makes them more combat and edgy. Mm. So... It's hard to imagine a duel with people dancing uncontrollably, laughing on the floor, having, like, you know, antlers spread out of their head. It's hard to make that look cool and serious. But when you have the blasts of light that are thrown at each other, it's reminiscent of gunfire, it's reminiscent of grenades, Mm. and it lends more easily to a combat language that audiences can understand and be like, oh, this is serious. Like, someone's going to get shot, someone's going to get blown up, because that's a sort of idea we have about combat yeah so i get that's why they did it and not having like walrus tusks sprouting out of people because if you're in a serious fight scene and then someone has walrus tusks spread out of them the response might be laughter and not oh god they're gonna die (laughs) Mm -hmm. um so it ups the stakes i I get that but it's definitely undercut by the fact that everybody also has an invisible shield around them (laughs) that these spells are bouncing off of yeah 100 percent. like nobody gets hurt so what's the stakes? 
Um, my third point is codifying mm-hmm. an aesthetic. So it's important that the magic in Harry Potter has a style. Yeah. So to achieve that means some level of uniformity for the spells. Um, and Josh actually, uh, a resident film boy, actually um, talked to me about this because <laughs> I asked him some questions about what he thought about the magic. So here's his commentary if you'd like to hear it. Yes, absolutely. Always a pleasure to hear from Josh here so, in spirit. Harry Potter magic codified the magic for the 2000s, even influencing up to the day, up to today. Given the prequels, you can see how they reiterated and learned from each other. David Yates took Quaron's instincts and flair and commodifying it as the technology improved. Example, the sound of magic, the spells themselves, the whistles, which was there from the beginning, mainly around the third movie, it started to become more prominent. This was because the biggest influence on pop culture before the visual of magic, before that, magic didn't have personality. It was explosion, effects, etc. This is a generalization, of course. Personality is key. From a technical and aesthetic standpoint, the film series took care to make the magic a force that is living, alive, just like any character. Then I said, uh, thank you so much. I noticed something with Quran. He favored white lights and is this sing-songy, high-pitched, whistly, whooshy noise with every spell in Mm -hmm. movie three. Like every single one has that noise. And then the noises it kept up in subsequent films. So Josh says, absolutely, he wanted to create an evolved, mature look for magic. That's why there is more animals and wandless magic. The world is more lived in without becoming a slave to realism. Mm. So that's Josh's comments on how magic was codified from basically movie three onwards to become more of a serious looking thing. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, It's so good to hear Josh. (laughs) (laughs) He actually has thoughts. Yeah. He has thoughts. He can back them up with knowledge. <laughs> Isn't that exciting? Instead of just my angry feelings. Yeah. yeah. That's all I had in my notes. So please continue with your angry feelings. Though. Yeah. <laughs> Here's my angry feelings. I, I get a lot of that. And a lot of that I agree with. Like a visual style. The fact that it looks more like a real world battle. A lot of that stuff's fine. It's for me, like I said, I feel like if in every duel there was maybe one or two, like actually visually distinct spell yeah like that's a magical spell that happened like you know maybe most people are shooting blasts of light at each other but like one spell hits and it like immediately wraps a person up in ropes and then they sort of collapse to the ground writhing in these living ropes like just little things like that that's like oh that was that was a wizard spell that i just saw yeah like it would make it would make it feel like okay so most of these spells are being deflected which is why the characters aren't dead but every now and then one of them hits and it does something. Yeah. Because that's not the case. <laughs> that's my beef, basically. It doesn't feel like the spells do anything. Mm. And in the books, they absolutely do. Like, from reading the books, you know all the spells and you know all the effects of them. Yeah. And characters also have spells that they like. Like, they have their mm. own sort of style to when they get into a fucking punch up with someone <laughs> yeah <laughs> which i think is great like it would have been cool like when the burrow was being burned down if Ginny had managed to bat bogey hex one of the death yeah. eaters like that would have been first of all horrifying to see in what is a horrifying mm. scene but like cool and visually distinct yeah. yeah i don't want them to blow the entire budget on it but you know just give me a little bit more than what it is now just little tidbits i know their budget's massive yeah. anyway so <laughs> yeah, <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> not a problem spend slightly less on harry's single shirt that he wears (laughs) one fun question for you if you had like a signature spell that you would like slip into a duel all the time what would you want it to be oh it depends am i dueling for fun or like am i battling for hogwarts in my life (laughs) no no just make it fun just make it fun okay cool hmm 
I feel like the one that locks their tongue to the roof of their mouth is a good go-to. Because... Langlock. Langlock, yeah. Because it gives you a moment to then do your next spell. Because at the very least, they Mm. have to undo that spell wandlessly before they can move along. Yeah, if they're no good at non-verbal spells, they're kind of fucked. Yeah, sorry, not wandlessly. (laughs) Non-verbally, you're right. Yeah. 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 That's an incredibly useful spell. Yeah. What about you? What would be your go-to? I'm kind of torn because I, I feel like if there's like a, a, you know, like a D&D kind of a grease spell. <laughs> yes, I love that spell. It's one Where of my favourites. Grease the floor. Grease the floor. Yeah. I don't know if there's a Harry Potter version of that, but I feel like, There's you know, a tripping jinx. There's a tripping <laughs> jinx. And like, as we know, the most common hazards in the workplace are slips, trips and falls. Yes, so like, absolutely. I feel like if I could slip my opponent, that'd be pretty funny because then they have mm-hmm. to get up. But it's also funny if I cast Spongify on the floor before me and then Mm -hmm. I bounce on them and I come at them from above. Yeah. (laughs) I just think that's very funny. (laughs) Then you could turn into a smoke boy and slam into them from the sky. (laughs) I try and do that non-verbally too. So it looks like I'm just pointing at the ground. They're like, ha ha, miss. And I'm like, did I? (laughs) And I like jump (laughs) on the floor in front of me and then like, ha ha, like spring on them like a fucking freak. Like Spongify is absolutely excellent. It's definitely one of the most fun spells in the video game. <laughs> so underused in the movies. Oh, it's so not good. even used. <laughs> no, it's not in the movies at all. That's a spell yeah. I would have liked to see in the movies. That's pretty good. So do you have more things to talk about? Because all I've got left is my magic that I absolutely love the way that it looks. And I don't have anything else to talk about. Okay, cool. So I, look, I complained a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I know I've got my angry rants, but like the movies didn't fuck everything up. There's some stuff that I think is visually stunning, although they just love the way that they did it. Mm-hmm. So I've got a bunch of stuff that I want to talk about. First of all, my big exception to my everything's just lights and bangs. <laughs> the Battle of Hogwarts, when they first of all raise the shield and right. then the Death Eaters bring the shield down. Mm-hmm. Like that is just it's just lights and words. <laughs> But it's visually stunning. Looks it's good. gorgeous. Yeah. Bringing up that huge shield by Hogwarts and then the Death Eaters just silently, all of them cast just a single thing of light and they arc through the air, hundreds of them. Mm-hmm. Amazing. It looks so good. Yeah. So that's the one exception to the lights and bangs rule. <laughs> okay. These are kind of in order, but not perfectly because I pulled one out. Uh, Dobby hovering the cake at the beginning of the second movie. It's got like a little skirt of smoke underneath it. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't include any um, non-human magic, but yeah, that's a good yeah. one. Well, in the second movie at least, the house of magic looks a little bit different. Like does, when yeah. Dobby apparates away, he clicks his fingers and he sort of like shimmers and fades. Yeah, like, he pieces out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> he like fades away. It's good. I'd, I'd much rather that than a smoky boy ability. Yeah. You know? Just to be like, and I'm gone. <laughs> Peace I'm, out. Hi. I fucking Thanos Infinity wore myself away. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> Uh, it also in second movie is one of the exception duels, <laughs> Harry and Malfoy up in the dueling club. So good. <laughs> like, it's obviously so awkward and stilted, like, because it's a duel. Like, that's fine. Yeah. But the fact that they're casting specific spells, they have specific effects, it is mostly pushing each other backwards, but then there's one spell that's distinct, a snake. Yeah. And then, like, getting rid of the snake into a weird firecracker, like... 
Yes. <laughs> Love this that. is what I want all of the jewels to look like, but higher stakes and faster. <laughs> yeah. Malfoy turning into a ferret, fourth movie. I just love it. He does a spin and his whole body sort of collapses in on itself and then changes. Mm. That's dope. It looks so good. Yeah. And then when he comes back to, he's like haggard, like his his clothes are ripped and he's like dirty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, he went through it. Yeah. He, he lived he lived that, that life as a ferret. Yeah. There's not a lot of spells that don't have like a flash of light. It's usually either nothing or a flash of light. Mm-hmm. Or some fire. But yeah, I like that that was a clear magical transformation that wasn't a flash of light. It was something else and it looked really good. Yeah. This one is kind of like, yeah, I'll just say it. It's the Crucio at the end of the fourth movie in the duel with Harry and Voldemort. Yeah. It's yeah. mostly Daniel Radcliffe's acting, writhing on the ground and screaming. Mm. But I like that... Voldemort casts the spell. The spell is invisible, so they don't they give in <laughs> they don't give in to their impulse to make everything a flash of light. Yeah. But you get the sound of like electricity crackling. Yeah. And it's like, like nails on a chalkboard, it's not nice. Yeah. It's visceral. And yeah. it is like it is ninety percent Harry's acting. Yeah. And but the sound like... of it oh yeah. very good. The choreography that um, uh, Ray Fiennes is using for his hand as well, it looks like he's, like, tightening a screw and then he, like, releases yeah. it. Like, and he, like, releases it from his hand. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, good. Nice. And it's got, like, there's a lot of intensity in it. It's a very intense scene, first of all. Yeah. But, like, it's kind of the same earlier in the movie when Mad-Eye Moody is doing it to the bug. It like, is. it's the same noise and the same intensity and Neville and, yeah. Mm. I like the way that that spell looks. It's a shame that you barely ever see it like i think that's like the only time it's ever in the movies there should be more torturing of the children yeah definitely (laughs) (laughs) like it's just a visual effect isn't it yeah (laughs) beginning of the sixth movie when horace slughorn comes out of the chair and then they untrash the room yeah like i know that they just trashed the room and then played the footage backwards (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so satisfying. it looks cool it's so satisfying to watch it though. like everything goes and just sort of like fixes itself oh yeah it's yeah. all trashed and then it magically reverses and comes back together and is beautiful and perfect and whole amazing yeah and there's that one crystal underneath harry's like shoe that's trying to w- wiggle three it's very cute I yeah like it. magic <laughs> magic i want to see magic <laughs> Sixth movie, Dumbledore controlling fire to drive back mm. the inferi. Like, it's just fire. But the the power of it and the way that he's doing these huge swooping movements to move it around, dope. Looks so nice. good. Yeah, he's using his yeah. whole body. Like, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like he's casting that spell. This looks like a wizard spell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I said the guy jumping through the window and getting frozen in time. So here we go. My favorite piece of magic in the movie, the thing... What I think is the coolest, Dumbledore and Voldemort's duel in the Ministry fifth oh, movie. Yes, love that. Of course, yeah, amazing. It's so visually engaging. Mm-hmm. Voldemort like breathes up a huge fire snake. Then Dumbledore traps him in a hovering water orb that he's like holding up. Yeah. Then Voldemort attacks him with tangible shadows, and he screams all the glass into shadows and makes the shards fly at him. And then Dumbledore transfigures it into harmless sand. Like, yep. fuck yeah. This is mm. magic. They're doing yeah. magic. It's awesome. And the it's really elemental. Make things happen. Yeah. yeah. 
I also love that part where it's like, um, it's when Dumbledore's got Voldemort in the water ball and is sort of trying to drown him. And, yeah. Uh, which is fucked. And it's, uh, and, uh, Imagine if he killed him. <laughs> so funny. And uh, Harry's like trying to creep up to help and Dumbledore like, like loses focus because he pushes Harry back with a movement of his hand mm-hmm. so that Harry's yeah, out of the way. Yeah, because he's trying to protect safety. him. He's trying to yeah, move yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. And um, that makes him lose focus and drop the water ball. It's like, it's just cool little, I don't know, yeah. emotional moments like that that you can add into a duel. Like, this is the only time in all eight movies where I'm like, these are two master wizards casting spells at each other. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the duel that every other duel in the movie series should aspire to be like. It's yeah. so good. I wish, yeah. like, any of this energy was in any of the other jewels. <laughs> yeah. I have some favourite moments. They're kind of, like, obviously, one of mine, too, is also the duel between Dumbledore and Voldemort. Yeah. I like the physicality between Lucius and Sirius in Sirius's death scene. Mm-hmm. Like, I like how Sirius is doing, like, a big loop-de-loop <laughs> and, like, a bend-back with his, with his, like, style. I think that was good. I think that was part of the choreography that was introduced. Yeah. Sirius is fighting like a bit of a street brawler and Lucius is standing there waving his hand around like a fancy man. Yeah, it's very good. Another spell that I just like visually is really early on. It's in the first movie. It's when when Hermione's like, Oculus Repero, and we get that lovely rubber band sound and we see like the the, the spin on the glasses and they're all new. Mm. I like that. I don't know. It's it's like, it's very simple. It's very like calming. Mm. (laughs) It's like the... The nose of the glasses sort of, like, shudders and then jumps off and there's a new nose underneath. Yeah. Yeah. I liked the episky, the spell that um, Luna Lovegood uses to heal Harry's <laughs> broken nose. It just makes a very satisfying crunch sound. Yeah. <laughs> but I kind of wish like, we'd seen it from the front because we see it from, like, kind of the sides and we don't get to see the nose set back into place. Yeah, um, we just hear it. But it's like, yeah, I believe that you magically moved bones inside <laughs> that boy's face. Sounds exactly like what you did, you know? Yeah. Yeah, those are probably my top ones that I just like. And they're just like so simple and like mundane, but I just really yeah. liked them. <laughs> they're good. Well, it's stuff like that that makes the world feel lived in. It does. These feel like everyday spells that people cast and use all the time. Yeah. And like... Not every spell needs to be, like, this huge visual spectacle. I said this. Like, a lot of it could be just sort of commonplace and everyday. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. Yeah. Well, um, is that all we have to say? I think so. Did we come to an answer? Why does the magic look like that? I had my theories about um, Manny and, like, <laughs> codifying a sort of, like, you know, an aesthetic and also, like, trying to make it look serious and have that combat element to it. Um, yeah, did you, you had real reasons. Did you come up with a reason? <laughs> I think the conclusion that I came to is that they made the magic look like that in the Harry Potter movies to personally piss off me, Rhea. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> and they succeeded. Oh boy, did they succeed. <laughs> well, I've been Jem, and I believe that instead of the smoky boy scene in the Battle at the Ministry, they should have just had all the Order and all the Death Eaters using Spongify to fight each other in midair and jump around each other. And that would have been way cooler and way more canon, in my opinion. <laughs> I've been Rhea, and instead of dueling, all the wizards should have just arm-wrestled each other. That would have been exactly the same as what we got. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you want to support us or get in touch, the links to our social media and Patreon are in the show notes. Please feel free to send us so many messages that we go mad and run away to a hut on a rock in the middle of the sea just to avoid them.
You'll hear from us again in two weeks' time. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.